Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, we continue our G1 Climax 33 coverage. Today will be matches from C and D Block. You guys already know that C Block is absolutely my favorite block of the G1 Climax 33. And so let's jump right into it. We start off with D-Block, Zack Zaber Jr. versus Alex Coughlin. Now, spoiler alert, we're just going to jump right to the ending of this. Alex Coughlin taps to Zack Zaber Jr. via an armbar. That gives Zack Zaber Jr. two points in his G1 Climax 33 match against Alex Coughlin. The only reason why I wanted to say the ending super fast is to really talk about something because we need to have this discussion about Zack Zaber Jr., which annoys the shit out of me. He does the same thing to Jeff Cobb. He's doing the same thing to Alex Coughlin and any big man that has a lot of strength, a lot of power, a lot of muscle. Somehow Zack Zaber Jr. gets out of it and continues to win. Sure, we can make the argument that Zack Zaber Jr. is a damn good technical wrestler. Although in all of his matches, he does the same technical wrestling no matter what. The same chain wrestling. And I'm surprised that no other wrestler has been like, Zach, I have studied you so much. You know, I'm going to beat you. And this is how I'm going to beat you. I was really thinking that Tanahashi was going to beat Zach Zaber Jr. at his own game because both of those guys had switched up their style. And Tanahashi was wrestling like how Zach would wrestle and Zach was wrestling how Tanahashi would wrestle. So that was fresh and new. And I thought Tanahashi was going to get it. But no, Zach Zaber Jr. managed to get a victory. Now, let's focus on Zach Zaber Jr. versus Alex Coughlin. Alex Coughlin is above the rest. Sure, give him a couple more time to be a lot more polish and think like a veteran but other than that he has everything packed down he has the full package it's just polishing can always happen but that's neither here nor there the fact is is that Alex Coughlin can do things that no other wrestler can do the only person that comes in right next to Alex Coughlin is Jeff Cobb both of these guys are very huge both of these guys have super strength and are really a threat to their divisions as a whole but new japan pro wrestling is prompting up zach zaber jr as if he's going to be the very best thing that the roster has ever seen and that's simply not true what i really don't like is that alex coglin was throwing zach zaber jr to the barricade throwing him here throwing him there using his strength attacking his side you know for the longest Zack Zaber Jr. has always been clutching at his side and always in pain and everything and he makes it look super fucking dire to the point where the referee goes and checks on him and you know probably asks him hey do you want to give up hey you know should a doctor look at it and he's like no 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 and then continues to wrestle as if like he's not fucking hurt that's my main issue is that he is very inconsistent with the fact that he knows he has to sell something and he's been selling the same spot ever since. And I'm like, did you not go to the doctor to get that checked out? Why are you not bleeding by the time that somebody decides to attack your side? If someone attacks your side where like your hip is at, your ribs, your lung area, your kidneys and liver, like if... 
this side has been bothering you for fucking ever. And you've been selling the same side, not even on the other side of your body, the same one. Why have you not made it a little bit more dramatic to maybe get some fucking sympathy? Because I don't fucking get it. It bothers my mind that a guy like Alex who can throw Zack Zabel Jr. around, the same thing with Jeff Cobb that could throw him around, and both of these guys like end up losing to Zack Zabel Jr. It makes no fucking sense. And like I said, my only problem with Zack Zabel Jr. is that he is very inconsistent with his selling, and that takes me out of all of his fucking matches. He puts on very good performances sometimes as a wrestler, but that's it. But then once he starts selling, I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. He's going to sell, forget about it, try selling again, and then, like, somehow magically wins. Now, I shouldn't really be breaking on this match like so and, like, mentioning the word selling and breaking the illusion and stuff, but we don't have this conversation enough. Everybody wants to overhype Zack Zaber Jr. for some odd fucking reason and don't want to focus on like bro you got to get better like you're just here stagnant and this whole saberism is gonna save wrestling or whatever the fuck it is if that was the case they would have treated Zack Zaber Jr. the same exact way they treated Jay White Jay White they put him on top they gave him the top pedestal they gave him the belts they gave him bullet club they gave him to be a household name. And where the fuck was Zack Zaber Jr.? Doing absolutely nothing. Making memories here and there, but not at the abundance as a Jay White. So I don't know about this Saberism because let's face it, again, his promos are not even the best promos there is. They are nonsense. They have nothing to do with the matches. They have nothing to do with how he won or anything like that. He's always crawling to the back as if like, he almost died within an inch of his life in the wrestling ring and somehow managed to still come out victorious. Like, I don't understand it. I really don't. So Zach always could get me upset with the way that he handles his matches. And they have to be a little more realistic because realistically, a big boy like Coglin and Jeff Cobb and every other heavyweight, like true big heavyweights that I know in the business, can destroy Zack Zaber Jr. They can destroy a technical wrestler because while the technical wrestler is trying to work on a body part, and I always say that wrestlers should work on a body part because that can lead you to a victory, you have these big heavyweights that can really toss you around and all the breath in your lungs can expel from your body. And all it takes is three seconds of you not recovering fast enough to pick up the loss and have the heavyweight win. Because in reality, a heavyweight is going to use their strength, use their power to get the victory. Now, in certain cases, certain situations, technical wrestling can be done to trip up a heavyweight opponent. But that means that you're just going to get lucky. And sometimes luck is not always on your side as a technician, no matter how clean and crisp you are. So I was just like New Japan Pro Wrestling to throw Alex a bone because I am rooting for him. I'm rooting for the war dogs. I'm also rooting for Jeff Cobb and Jeff Cobb is doing amazing in this tournament. But seriously, like 
this whole match between Alex Coughlin and Zack Zabel Jr. made no fucking sense at all. It was very physical. And every time Zack Zabel Jr. gets into a physical bout, he fucking survives, which makes no fucking sense. Now, if Zack Zabel Jr. was wrestling somebody of equal size, meaning height, and the way their body looks in terms of like physical features and stuff like that wouldn't be such a big bother to me because I know that we're not going to see him hold his side. And if we do, I'm just going to be like, bullshit, bro. Fucking bullshit. So if it was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shane Haste or Mikey Nichols, that's fine. I know what to expect. But if it's Zack Sabre Jr. versus Alex Coughlin, who's through and through a fucking thoroughbred of a heavyweight, or Zack Sabre Jr. facing Jeff Cobb, which we're going to see that on Wednesday. Again, Jeff Cobb, another true blue thoroughbred of a heavyweight. He should not be surviving as much. There should be a decisive victory because it is uneven. There is no way that a technical wrestler is going to survive a heavyweight. Like I said, there's like that 1% luck, but that's just the 1%. The whole other 99% is not luck. So, yes, the opening match, D-Block, Zack Zabre Jr. versus Alex Coughlin really fucking upset me. I really do want the best for Alex Coughlin. He is a war dog. He believes it. He told us his damn story. And then all of a sudden in the G1, his very first G1, he's not going to get at least one point for a time limit draw. If one of his matches ever went to a time limit draw or even two points, it's a little further in the G1. Like, why is he not getting any points? He's not like Yana, which I understand why he's not getting any points. Like, it makes no fucking sense at all. No sense. While Gabriel Kidd is racking up points doing war dog shit, Alex Coughlin over here is showcasing his ability and his uniqueness to the crowd. And maybe that could be against him. But for the most part, like, Alex is using all of his strength, all of his power to try and defeat these guys. The same way that you have... Two behemoths, such as Shingo and Ishii, which I'm going to get to a little bit later, those two guys are very strong freaking bulls, and they hit hard, and eventually one of them stays down for the three count. How come this can't happen with Zack Zabel Jr., who's half the size of those men, that's facing a big guy? Okay, I think I ranted enough, but seriously... One of these days, Zack Zaber Jr. is going to have to fall to these big guys to make it make sense. Our next match is Block C, Tamatanga versus Mikey Nichols. Tama and Mikey Nichols were definitely doing a lot of physicality in this match. So a lot of power moves, some striking, and Tama was definitely using that speed. We get a Death Valley driver cover. Tama kicks out. Tama comes back with some offense and a huge clothesline to Mikey from Tama that takes him down. Mikey comes back with some combos later on in the match. We have both of these guys absorbing some chops, absorbing the pain, the punishment that both of these guys are doing to each other. 
Mikey then goes up for a moonsault, does the moonsault. However, here comes Tama with a gun stun out of nowhere and catches Mikey on the way down and then decides to do a permanent gun stun, goes for the cover. Tama gets the one, two, three, and Tama gets two points in his G1 Climax 33 match against Mikey Nichols. Tama is having one hell of a run here in the G1. And on Wednesday, Tama's going to be facing Finley. These two have history, not only as tag team competitors, but also as single competitors. And two months ago, David Finley decided to put Tama out, make him go to the hospital on a stretcher, and took that never open weight championship title away from Tama. And Tama has not forgotten about it. So Wednesday, it is going to be a freaking bloodbath between Tama versus David Finley. I cannot wait for that. Our next match is D-Block, Goto versus Shane Hayes. This was the quickest match in the G1 for 2023. Very quick, very, very quick. You want to know how quick? We got some really huge fast attacks from Shane Hayes with a kick that sends Goto into the corner, followed by a jumping kick and a cannonball to Goto. Goto rolls away and clutches at his ribs because it was made known on commentary that Goto versus Naito, Goto hurt and injured his ribs so he is clutching at it and he's in pain however this does not stop Goto at all even though Shane Hayes is taking advantage of this Goto comes in with a huge lariat to Shane Hayes this stuns Shane Hayes and both men are down to create some space between them they get back up Goto comes in with a headbutt and then transitions over to a rear naked choke he knows that Shane Hayes is going out, so he releases the hold and does a flash pin into a clutch combination, and Goto gets the one, two, three, and Goto gets two points in his match of the G1 Climax 33 against Shane Hayes. And do you want to know what else is super quick, ladies and gentlemen? It's me, Marie Shadows, having you save 30% off a paid Zencaster plan. Now, hear me out. Did you ever want to start your own podcast, but you don't know where to begin? Zencaster will be the perfect fit for you because Zencaster has it all. Zencaster allows you to have top-notch quality, remove all the ums and the ahs and the awkwardness in your podcast episode. Zencaster will give you the tools to make sure the audio levels are just perfect. You never want to blow out the eardrums of your listeners if they have headphones in. That's very bad and it hurts so much for that to happen. So Zencaster could fix your audio levels. Zencaster could take away the ums and the ahs. And then if you like to interview guests, whether those are wrestlers or people in other industries, Zencaster has the awesome tools for you. You can give your guests the link where they can open up that link in a browser of their choice. They can use any type of device, meaning on their laptop, on their phone, on their iPad. They can open up this link and they will be sent to the room that you have created to have this podcast interview done. The cool thing about it is that Zencaster allows you to do multiple things. So the interview can be audio, video, and or both, depending on what 
feels comfortable depending on what you like to do. The cool thing about having video interview podcasts is that all of your engagement, so viewership, listenership, comments, they all increase by tenfold. People are watching more interviews than listening to interviews, but to each their own. For the most part, people are interested in video formats because they get to put the voice to the face and get to know you a little bit better on a better scale. So if all of this sounds like everything that you want to do and you want to get started with Zencaster, because I use Zencaster for everything, like I said, I have the hookup for you. I can help save you 30% off a paid plan. All you have to do is go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my special code, which is SCP to get 30% off any Zencaster paid plan for one month. I want you to use the same tools that Zencaster has provided me with for all of my podcasting and content needs. It is time for the world to hear your story. Again, that is Zencaster.com forward slash pricing. Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com forward slash pricing and use S-C-P for that wonderful 30% off the first month of any Zencaster paid plan. The world needs to hear your story. Our next match is C-Block, Hinari versus Eddie Kingston. Let me just say that I thought that this match was going to be very, very much over because Hinari, before the bell, decides to run and jump at Eddie Kingston, kicking him in the process and giving him a sliding kick and covering, but Eddie Kingston kicks out. Eddie Kingston at this point is like, man, what the fuck just hit me? We get sledgehammers across Eddie Kingston's chest. We get strikes from both of these guys. Thank God Hinari blocked the first back fist. We get Hinari working on Eddie Kingston's elbow to hyperextend it. Right now, Hinari is taking advantage of his match. However, Eddie Kingston does come back, hits Hinari with a DDT, creates some space between the both of them. However, Hinari follows that up with a berserker bomb to Kingston, a knee in the corner, PK goes for the cover, Eddie Kingston kicks out. Hinari comes in with Rampage. Eddie Kingston kicks out. Now we have this little ongoing war of who can hit the hardest. And it's an exchange of chops until Eddie Kingston manages to do the back fist that he is known for right now that has been knocking out wrestlers left and right. He managed to get it square on Hinare's jaw and that knocked out Hinare. Hinare falls to the mat and Eddie Kingston, out of exhaustion, just falls right on top of Hinare. The referee goes, one, two, three. Eddie Kingston picks up, in my opinion, a bullshit and a lucky-ass two points in this G1 Climax 33 match against Hinare. I honestly thought they were going to give it to Hinare rather than Kingston. I have nothing against Kingston. No shade at all. And I pick Hinari because I know Hinari is going to stay in New Japan for the long run. While Eddie Kingston is our New Japan Pro Wrestling strong openweight champion, he's going to be mainly defending that in the United States. 
which is still under the banner of New Japan Pro Wrestling. But Eddie Kingston is probably not going to be a mainstay in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that's the only reason why I'm like, I would have picked Hinari to go over. But it was a really warrior of a fucking battle between these two guys. And Hinari did give respect to Eddie Kingston at the end during his backstage comments. Of course, when Hinari woke up, he was like, what the fuck happened? He got knocked out. He lost. He'll pick himself back up again and go on to the next match. Congratulations to Eddie Kingston for getting two points against Hinari. Somebody that you have to survive in the world of professional wrestling against. Our next match is a silly match. It is D-Block. Yano versus Naito. Yano comes out first. Naito comes out second. If you guys know anything about Tetsuya Naito, he loves to take his time during his entrance. However, Yano doesn't like that because Yano likes things done very quickly so that he could go home or whatever the case may be. So he is very, very adamant about Naito hurrying up. And because Yano is making it worse for him, Naito's song actually restarted and he went back up the ramp just to redo his entrance again. And then we get into the match. Like I said, it's very silly. There was one point using tape to hold Yano's hands, but he breaks free. They fight for a little bit. Naito goes for a roll-up. One, two, three. Naito gets two points in his G1 Climax 33 match against Yano. Like, really? Man. Our next match is C-Block. Ishii versus Shingo. This is a match that you have to watch. It is two big heavyweights battling it out we've probably seen it a million times it is always a great time to watch these two guys because they know how to implement psychology and selling and not backing down ishii is super fucking scary nobody understands that if you are within the new japan bubble you'll understand it for those outside the new japan bubble they don't really get it however ishii really does well with certain wrestlers that can bring out the best in him and it's going to be a great match. You know that Shingo has great cardio, so he could go forever. I should say great like stamina because both of these guys have stamina. The one thing that I do want to say is that you have to be watching Ishii matches because Ishii pulled out a drop kick. Ishii does not pull out drop kicks. Ishii does not pull out cutters. So I am really enjoying the fact that Ishii gets to have some type of freshness to his arsenal that we don't really get to see as often most of the time we get to see him absorb a lot of punishment and then like dish it back out to the point where it looks like his opponent fucking died and like came back so because this is a 20 minute time limit match luckily there was a winner to be decided because if not both of these guys wouldn't went to a draw and they almost did so what happened is is that Shingo goes for Last of the Dragon. Shingo at this point is super, super, super exhausted. There are two minutes left. Both of them get back up. Here comes Shingo with the pumping bomber. Ishii falls. Shingo goes for the cover. One, two, three. Shingo gets two points in his G1 Climax 33 match against Ishii. Again, go out of your way to go see it or... Follow me on kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows, where I will be watching this match live on stream. So let's hang out together. That is kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows. Our next match is D-Block. 
Tanahashi versus Jeff Cobb. I was talking about Jeff Cobb earlier and how he is a big ass heavyweight who does amazing things. The same thing as Alex Coughlin. It's just that Jeff Cobb is a veteran. Tanahashi is a veteran. And this was a very fun match between these two guys. And they had an awesome, awesome showing. Tanahashi does take advantage of the first half of this match by stomping on Cobb's foot because both of these guys were not budging once they did the collar and elbow tie-up. There's the drop toe hold into the corner pad and then a drop kick to the knee of Jeff Cobb. Again, ladies and gentlemen, pins and the drop toe hold are the most dangerous moves in professional wrestling. Tana goes spine first and then slammed down on the apron all by Cobb for him showing off his strength. Cobb is now focusing on Tanahashi's lower back and then decided to do a little mini backbreaker and decided to do an air guitar on Tana's abs and Tana was definitely not having that. Jeff Cobb misses that standing moonsault that he does so perfectly. Here comes Tanahashi being Tanahashi by doing the dragon screw. We got that somersault sent on onto Jeff Cobb. The dropkick to Tana once Cobb gets some life back into him. Goes for the cover, Tana kicks out, standing moonsault, beautiful. Tana kicks out of that. We get that twist and shout because Tanahashi is not going to give up that easily as both of these men continue to fight it out. Tanahashi actually misses the high five flow. And here comes Tori the Islands and it gets countered by a small package. Like I said, any type of pin combination, those are very dangerous in professional wrestling. Cobb kicks out and he does a sling blade of his own. Followed by Tori Island, goes to cover Tanahashi. One, two, three, Jeff Cobb gets two points against Tanahashi in his G1 Climax 33 match. Perfect match, really nice. Both of those guys had a really good showing. Now we get to the main event. Everything that we have been talking about and even the internet buzzing about, and it's the biggest main event of the G1 Climax 33 because these are two Bullet Club members, but you have House of Torture involved. So let's just get right into it. It is C-Block, David Finley, the leader of Bullet Club, the real leader of Bullet Club, the leader of the War Dogs versus Evil, who is the leader of House of Torture. And House of Torture is... Under the umbrella term of Bullet Club, which is kind of weird. Like, I don't understand it. But let's get into this match. All the members of House of Torture come out with evil. So you have evil, show, usual, Dick Togo. Members of War Dogs come out with Finley next, which is just Gabriel Kid and Gato. So because Red Shoes cannot officiate this match with everybody and try to keep all the rules very consistent, he calls out two other referees, and it's basically three referees trying to maintain this match. This was a very good match. I enjoyed it from start to finish. We got some big shoulder tackles, some forearm exchanges, and evil throws friendly to the outside. And House of Torture is about to attack, but then you have War Dogs on the other side like, hey, don't you fucking do anything. While all that is happening, we get the blue corner pad gone so that way the steel is exposed and Evil sends Finley into the steel once Finley rolls back into the ring. 
Evil then decides to choke out Finley with a shirt, of course, trying to be dirty and have underhanded tactics. The other referees are trying their best to keep everything in freaking order. We got a backbreaker to Finley, the single leg Boston Crab on Finley, but Finley is so resilient and resourceful that he rolls through, kicks Evil in the chest a couple of times. However, Evil reapplies the hold and then Finley manages to get to the bottom rope to break the move. We get a very beautiful snap suplex to Evil. Very beautiful from David Finley. And then, of course, what House of Torture match would not be complete without having ref bumps? All three refs take ref bumps. And now we get what we all wanted, which is House of Torture and War Dogs fighting each other. Even though at this point, War Dogs is just Gabe Kidd and Gato, like I had mentioned earlier. But both of them fight. They still fight on the outside. Until finally one of the referees recovers, so at least we could get some type of order in here. Both Finley and Evil avoid both of their finishers. However, Evil comes in with a huge lariat to Finley. He goes for Darkness Falls to Finley. Finley kicks out. Evil is then pushed into the exposed steel, his face hitting those exposed steel turnbuckles. We get the Dominator from Finley, goes for the cover, Evil kicks out. Finley comes in with a flurry of punches to Evil's face, maybe to bust him open. He probably should have gotten busted open in this match against Finley. Evil then pulls the referee into the path. We go for a low blow. And then Gato gets knocked down by Dick Togo. Dick Togo comes in with trying to choke out Finley. They move to do Magic Killer. And as the referee is counting... Gato drags the referee out of the ring and sort of flings him like he really flinged him a little far. At this time, it gets announced that there's five minutes left. Finley comes in and hits Evil with the Never Openweight Championship title when blocking the shillelagh attack that Evil was going to hit David Finley with. David Finley picks up that shillelagh, hits Evil over the head with it. Does into oblivion, goes for the cover, one, two, three, and Finley wins. Finley gets two points against Evil in his G1 Climax 33 match. I was super fucking excited that this happened. It felt good because I was like, yes, Evil and the House of Torture are going to get kicked out of Bullet Club like I want and everyone else wants. The only reason why I want House of Torture out of Bullet Club is because I believe that Bullet Club should not have subsections within Bullet Club because then it defeats the value and the purpose. It makes no fucking sense to have sub-factions within it. The NWO did it, and the NWO is not around. We had NWO, New World Order. We had the Red and Black. We got the Wolf Pack. We had the Latino side, I believe. Like... You know, we had a lot within NWO. I don't want that for Bullet Club. Bullet Club is so unique in the wrestling world and how it pertains to storytelling and elevating people and elevating guys and all this kind of stuff. It's beautiful to be a Bullet Club member and not like sharing the space of like, oh, it's Bullet Club and the House of Torture. But the Bullet Club logo is not on the House of Torture merch. So how does that make sense? Why are they still there? So I was excited that Finley won. That means that, you know, House of Torture is going to get kicked out. And I don't think that's going to be the case, ladies and gentlemen, because during the backstage promo from Finley, 
which if I ever get Finley on the show, which I would be extremely grateful for and like love the fact that he even considered to be on the show so I could talk to him about wrestling. I guess I cannot ask him the question that I asked Clark Connors, which is what's the deal with evil and the house of torture? Are they part of Bullet Club? Are they not Bullet Club? Like, what's really going on? So at the time, Clark is like, oh, you're going to have to ask David. So I guess, you know, David listens to this podcast or like everyone else that talks about evil and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, my answer to that question was made during the backstage comments where Finley said, there's an old saying that goes, Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And I know exactly what that means. So I'm not going to ask any more questions. I'm just going to follow David Finley and see what he does. However, I will say this just as advice. Make sure to have eyes in the back of your head because evil does not give a fuck. That's the true embodiment of not giving a fuck, which is evil in the house of torture. They will fuck over their Bullet Club members. And we've seen this time and time and time again where they fuck them over. But yet then they're like, oh, but we're still boys, right? Because we're under the Bullet Club banner. And no one seems to challenge them on that disrespect. If evil had the fucking balls to tell David Finley in Japanese to remember who's at the fore, I would have kicked his ass out a long time ago because that's a threat. Like I said in the other podcast, I consider that a threat. However, I'm just going to sit back for a little bit. I'm going to watch what David Finley does, because if he's going to say, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Sure. House of Torture could be used. They could be a vital piece in Bullet Club and everything that they want to accomplish or anything they want to conquer. Could they have the extra men? They have the extra soldier. But evil doesn't just fall in line. He'll make you think that he'll fall in line, but he doesn't fall in line. He does what he wants, disguise it as, oh, we're still boys, though, but the disrespect is there and the betrayal could be there, too. If you want to take it as betrayal. There's a lot of things that go into this that I think about. There's different pathways that this can go by allowing evil in the house of torture to stay within Bullet Club. But again, let's get back to Finley's statement. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I'm going to add to this by saying, make sure to have eyes in the back of your head because evil can strike at any moment. And then also keep an eye on Gato. As much as Gato is 100% behind David Finley, and I do not question it at all, but you never know. It was the same way when Evil was being the leader. And then when Jay White came back and challenged that and asked Gato, did you know, did you do this, anything like that? You know, that whole weird awkwardness that happened between Jay and Evil. Gato was like, no, I didn't know that was going to happen. Meaning that when Evil faced Jay during the G1, Evil probably low-blowed him from my memory. But again, everybody have eyes in the back of your head. Look out for Evil and House of Torture because they can strike at any moment. They all don't give a fuck. And they have already been made a household name. So they don't technically need Bullet Club. So if they attack Bullet Club but want to disguise it as we're still boys... No, I would let them go. 
But like I said, I'm going to trust Finley. I'm going to back off a little bit from this conversation. I'm going to observe from afar and cheer on the war dogs, cheer on Finley and see how this goes. Because if you're going to keep it like that, where I understand the statement, it's probably going to backfire. But congratulations to David Finley for picking up two points, who is in the lead in this G1 Climax 33. I am extremely happy that David Finley won. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's update those leaderboards and or scoreboards, whatever you want to call them. Let me tell you who's in the lead, who's not in the lead. We have C Block for July 23rd, 2023. We have Tama at four, Ishii at zero, Shingo at two, Mikey Nichols at two, Aaron Hanari at two, Eddie Kingston at four, David Finley at six, Evil at four. Here is the scoreboard for D Block, July 23rd, 2023. Tanahashi at two, Godo at four, Yano at zero, Naito at four, Zack Zebra Jr. at six, Shane Hayes at two, Jeff Cobb at six, and Alex Coughlin at zero. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this coverage of the G1 Climax 33 for July 23rd, 2023. If you guys enjoyed this, make sure to share it with a friend because sharing is caring. And if you want to leave me your comments, you could do so by hitting me up on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. If you want to do it any other way, sign up to the wrestling newsletter, Square Circle Society. Head over to marieshadows.substack.com. And if you want to take it a step further, you can even email me your thoughts squared circle podcast at outlook.com you could also follow my kick channel kick.com forward slash marie shadows i want to grow the wrestling community on there and we get to talk about the g1 watch matches and just talk about everything wrestling and show you behind the scenes of what i do i am a commentator for goddesses of war wrestling there are some events coming up so i'm excited to talk about them but i can't talk about them just yet so make sure you follow me all on social media the main place to be the main hub to be is that discord if you have not joined the discord it is a safe place for wrestling fans are you tired of being bullied and trolled online and saying that you don't know anything well then come over to the square circle society discord click that link down in the description below and join the family where we talk about wrestling every single day of the week and it's always a good time so hit that link hit all the other links make sure to sign up to zencaster.com and get a paid plan with that 30 percent and again, I highly thank you guys for listening to this episode, sharing your thoughts with me. And I love you guys so, so much. I really do. I love you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.